Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type. Like, yeah. I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of right. grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work self-care. I'm holding on to this self-care with every ounce of me. (laughs) Join us as we journey through sharing together. A lot of these conversations are pretty private and these women are courageous and vulnerable and transparent and that alone shows us that we're not alone in our struggle. This week's guest is my friend Brandy. Brandy is a wife, mother, and postpartum doula. Brandy and I are both moms. We both have a very unique way of parenting. So I wanted to sit down and chat with Brandy about her childhood, about her career shift, and about her mothering, because that's always fun. Brandy being a postpartum doula, she's there every step of the way with wisdom and care and love. Brandy's journey through motherhood has been evolutionary and wonderful. Brandy's story is unique and resonates with me deeply because we were both fairly young moms. It's always interesting just to see the evolution that motherhood brings you through. This is Brandy's story. Hey girl. Hey girl. It's so good to have you on the show. How are you? I'm good. Things are good. No complaints. Life is good in sunny California. It's very sunny. Although the past couple of days have been a little kind of rainy, but it's been good. So I wanted to have you on the show to talk about a couple of things. You and I are friends. We've, we know yes. each other all in, the, all in each other's biz. Um, <laughs> yes. but, uh, and we've worked together too. And I just really admire your ability to be a women's activist, specifically around birth. And also, you're raising two black boys in America, and I find that very courageous and brave, specifically with how you are raising them, that conscious parenting, gentle parenting, etc. So for those listeners out there who may not be familiar with who you are, can you give us a little bit of a background of what you do? And um, then we'll just dive into more, you know, of the conversation. Well, my name is Brandy, <laughs> and I am a mother. I'm a wife. My husband and I, we've been married. We'll be married for 12 years. Wow. It's been 12 years? 12. Wow. Yeah. We got married stupid young. Um, <laughs> uh, we were babies. But 12 years in November, we've been together for 15 years in all, 16 years in all. Mm-hmm. And um, we have two boys, Jax and Jedi. Jax is 10, he'll be 11 in November. And Jedi is going to be two in August. So yeah, I am a postpartum doula. I'm the creator of the women's online resource, Not So Private Parts. And yeah, I like to help women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's basically it. That is, that's wonderful. So before you got into doing your work as a doula, what were you doing? 
Before I started as a doula, I was working in the fashion industry mm-hmm. I on the textiles end. So basically, I was that person, like if a brand came to me, I was like, hey, so we're doing, you know, fall 2018. You know, we need fabric. We need denim. I was the person they would come to. I worked with this company where we would basically match fabric with a particular campaign they were doing. And so I did that for almost four years. And... That was my gig. When did you decide to transition out of the fashion industry to do the work of women? Well, I think, to be honest, I think it wasn't just a really quick decision. I knew the moment that I looked at Jedi that my time may be coming to an end in that industry. He was not like Jackson. Jax was that pick up and go baby. He was that baby that is like, okay, we got to do this. We got to go. Let's hustle. Let's go. And he would just kind of flow. And he's still like that to this day. Jedi, the moment that I looked at him, I knew I was like, he's not that kid. Yeah. And um, I may have to be a little bit less tethered to what I know right now. And I, I felt that from the beginning. So it wasn't instant. I, I fought that and I just knew, I was like, okay, well maybe I can make it work. I can like, you know, kind of like, you know, breastfeed in the car and do my meetings and all that. And I found myself just a hot mess mm-hmm. and I was having like a panic attack, like two times a week. And I knew then I was like, okay, something's got to give. And it was stressful as I'll get out and, and scary but I knew that I would be happier and I knew that my children would be happier. And so I left and I just decided to have the conversation that I didn't want to have with my boss. Mm -hmm. And I basically was like, you know what? It's time for me to go. It's the end of this chapter. And I didn't look back. And yeah. (laughs) So what made you decide to step into the world of being an activist for moms and a postpartum doula. What was that click for you? Because I know I know that with Jax, life was a little bit easier. You were younger. Absolutely. It was just more, go, you know, like you said, go with the flow type of vibe, right? And then when Jedi yeah. came, things started to shift a little bit. So what, what made you, and we've had these conversations too, like how you... Yeah first adjusted with Jackson to how you adjusted with Jedi. Like it's like night and day. So what made you decide, okay, I want to do doula work and be that support for women after they give birth. What was that turning point for you? Yeah, it was kind of twofold to be honest. Part of it was I wanted to be what I needed. So what I mean by that is this, by the time I had Jedi, my mother was no longer with me. She had passed away. Mm-hmm. And even though I had John, you know, I wanted him to be able to bond with our new addition. Mm-hmm. I basically, I, I needed that. I needed that mother. I needed someone to mother me. Right. And so I basically wanted to be able to do that for women, just because during that, the first three months, it's so isolating. It can be, Mm -hmm. it can be so isolating. And depending on the city where you live, whether it's a bigger city or a smaller town, it's like you have this like influx of people that come and like visit and hang out at the very beginning. But then it's like that three weeks afterward, no one's really there. 
Right. And so you can feel like you're just like this milking machine, like just like you're just like milking and like breastfeeding and that's all you do. And then you change diapers and then you repeat. Right. And you can begin to feel like, oh, my gosh, like, am I just like the only one? Is this going to be my life for the like the rest of my life? I needed someone to come in and just kind of like, hey, are you eating? Are you like sleeping? Because that's a whole other aspect of it. You know, sleep deprivation is a form of torture. And so when you have like the lack of sleep and then you're breastfeeding continually and all these different changes are happening with your body, you can begin to feel like you're losing it. Mm -hmm. And so I needed someone to come in and be like, hey, you're fine. You're normal. Everything's okay. The way you feel is normal. Or in some cases, it's not normal. I needed someone to be able to say that. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be able to do that for women. And then also being a woman of color, there's not a lot of, unfortunately, there's not a lot of women of color that are highlighted in that industry, whether it's midwifery, whether it's in baby wearing, whether it's um, in doula work. And so I believe that representation matters. I, I feel like, Without that, you know, it can become this uh, thing that when you don't see yourself, you begin to feel even more isolated as well. So those are, it was kind of twofold for me. That's a very long way of answering that. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's, that's perfect. So let's just back up a little bit. You and I have had conversations with just how different birthing and raising Jax was than Jedi. What? Yeah was so different. And what did you learn through those, what, they're 10 years apart, not nine years apart? They're almost nine years. Yeah. So what, what did you learn during that time about, about mothering, about baby wearing, about breastfeeding, about gentle parenting? How did you learn those things in between those, you know, yeah. those almost nine years? Well, I think I was a different person nine years ago they're different kids, but I was different as well. Mm -hmm. I think when I first had Jax, I felt this crazy pressure to return back to whatever I was doing before, like quickly. So I was back to work in like three weeks, which is crazy, but I felt this, and it wasn't even pressure from my then employer. It was just that I felt the need to go back. I hopped back into work like super quick because I, I wanted to, to, I didn't want it to feel like anything had changed, like nothing, everything was the same, which is crazy. But I was also like super young. I think I was 22, something like that, 23, maybe. Yeah. So I went back into it full, full force. And so, and also none of my friends were having kids. Right. So I didn't really have this village that I have now of women that were like, oh, yeah, you know, girl, you're good. With Jedi, I think I was a little bit more compassionate with myself if I didn't feel like getting back into the groove of everything. I was OK with that. I also I gave myself permission to just like relax and heal and also, I think I looked at birth differently as well. Mm -hmm. I saw birth for being this, not only this monumental, like life transforming thing, but also physically, it's like the equivalent of like running a whole bunch of marathons. So like, it, like climbing Mount Everest. So right, right. I looked at it for what it was and I didn't minimize it. 
So I think I was just a lot more gentle with myself. I didn't, I allowed myself to just heal and I didn't give myself that permission before at all. Wow. Why not? Like now that you look back and you're, you know, we all evolve and change over time. Why do you think you weren't giving yourself permission to, to really take on your healing after birth? I would say the reason why for me, it was, it was such a struggle just being kind to myself. I was the only one having a kid. I was the only one with a kid. Right. So, you know, a lot of my friends were like hanging out, doing, being 20 year olds. And I didn't really have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I had to, like, I was paying bills and taking care of a kid and, and doing that whole thing. So it, it was, I wanted to show them, even though I shouldn't have cared, but I wanted to show them and just the world right. that, you know, oh, I got this. I, I can just like keep doing whatever I'm doing and, and this isn't going to change. So it's crazy. It's, it's crazy that you mentioned that because I feel like that's what people believe black motherhood is. So I want us to yes. talk about that for a second. Absolutely. We are almost all the time groomed to be mm-hmm. strong and put together and you know on the go and super women right and you and I have had these conversations you know just behind closed doors how do you feel your outlook on black motherhood has changed too because it yeah. is almost kind of like we have to be mm-hmm. this beacon of strength which in a sense in a, in a in a sense we you know we do yeah. but that shouldn't come with sacrifice of self gentleness and self care so how has your outlook on black motherhood changed since you know you've had your two kids and just because you're working with you know mothers yeah. after they give birth how how has black motherhood shifted for you and your outlook on it it's it's absolutely changed because I, I think what I've realized more than anything now and more than ever now, being a mother and now being a postpartum doula is one, I have to practice what I preach. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that's just not cool. But then two, as a mother, I've realized I'm so much better when I'm good to myself. And that shifts from day to day. That may look like, you know what, y'all, I need to like go and like just sit and read a book for a second, you know, or I need to go and just sit and put the kids to bed and just watch endless amounts of Netflix, you know? And for me, what I realized is that me taking a moment to myself, whether it's that or whether it's doing yoga or, or just breathing, Mm -hmm. I'm so much better for everyone else mm-hmm. and for my children. And I think that's something that's so contrary to what I grew up with, right. what my mother grew up with, what my grandmother grew up with. Right. We were so forced and and not by anyone in general, but just by what we knew mm-hmm. to be strong. And you have to be strong and you have to be strong. And it's like, actually, you can be strong, but strength comes from just really breathing and knowing when you are at your limit and when you're you've had enough <laughs> and when you feel that 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 glass like running empty and paying attention to that that's when you find strength yeah. and so i yeah. think there's been a huge shift in that yeah and i i can i can 
agree with that because for the longest time I felt like strength was just constantly being resilient and constantly being hard and like there was no softness in my strength Mm -hmm. and what I've learned as a black mother is that I'm allowed to be strong and soft because if I'm not, it's really hard to find that balance. You know, Um, I wasn't raised softly. I wasn't raised gently. And I want us to dive into this too. You know, I was raised really aggressively, you know, spankings, getting cussed out, very aggressive. And borderline abusive yeah now that you look you know I look back on it and it's like that a lot of people say you know spankings and verbal aggression is just a part of the black community and yeah our kids don't act certain ways because we're aggressive with them and it's just like no that y- your yeah. kids don't act certain ways because they're scared of you there's a difference yeah. and you and I have had this conversation too so I want to get your insight on this because how I parent Charlie is completely different from how I was parented. You know, we don't do spankings. I do not use foul language at her when she's getting disciplined. I do not treat her with aggression and meanness and abuse. I just don't I don't do it. And I know a lot of people may feel like abuse is really dramatic to say, but it's yeah. not when you sit back and you think about it. Um, Absolutely. So how how has your view on parenting shifted how you parent your kids? Like how was how you were raised different from how you're raising your two black boys? And yeah. I point out black boys because we raise our black boys so differently from how other people in yeah. cultures tend to raise their men. Right. So. Yeah. How is that for you being able to raise sons who, of course, they have their resilience and their strength, but they're also soft and gentle and kind and sweet natured boys. How have you found that balance? I think for the, the thing that John and I have really tried to focus on is raising carefree black boys, black kids who will one day become carefree black men, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting to think about. (laughs) In, a, in the world that we live, because it's like, okay, you it's like this balance of we want you to be free and right. we want you to be carefree, but also pick when you're carefree. Because like if you get pulled over by a policeman, like no, that's not, the, that's not the time, depending on if that policeman's having a really bad day, that's not the time to be carefree and and pick what your carefree looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird balance. I'm always trying to figure out. And it's funny because I was talking to John about this the other day. It's like, it's this weird, like, conundrum I'm figuring out a bit. Like, I want them to know who they are. And I want them to be able to express that without fear at all. And fear of how that freedom is going to be interpreted and looked at. And I want them to not care about that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, so... How do we also raise them to be aware that there are dumb people out there? And so it's it's this weird thing that I honestly haven't figured out and mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been the goal for us is raising kids that are a lot more freer than we were. Mm-hmm. Because I remember growing up and this is, and I think every, for the most part, depending on where you live, people of color, there's this weird thing of like, 
you know, we, we, you know, don't act like that. White people are watching. Mm. Don't, don't do that. You won't, you won't show out in front of these white people, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you're from the South. I'm from the South. Right. And so I would, even though my mom didn't really say that. Right. It's like, like you knew. She would, would kind of say that. She'd give me this look like, you go, you just gonna do that right here. You gonna do that. You gonna do that right here. And I want to raise my kids without that. Right. I want to raise my kids without that baggage. And it's interesting, especially when you, she had girls, I have boys. Mm -hmm. So, you know, studies have shown that they're already looked at as older. They're already looked at as, as, as being, you know, more mature, even though they're not, they're kids. They're kids. Right. Right. I mean, even when I saw (laughs) Jackson on your Instagram story the other day, I'm like, yo, he looks like a 16 year old boy, but he's 10. So it's like, it's so crazy too. this balance that we have to have with our children, specifically our, our men. Do you feel like you parent your children completely different than how you were parented and if so and if so how like what I guess what are the main differences that you would say well let me take that back I think I picked and pulled Mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is this there are certain things that my mom was so dope about like she would like talk to us about everything some stuff I was like okay that was way too much she was a open book and I think I take that from her where we have conversations with our boys about everything like I've I've taught I mentioned this a couple months back you know we got a new mattress Mm -hmm. we we needed to because that mattress was like really old old. I remember we we got a new mattress and Jax came up to me he was so sincere he was like mommy are you really getting rid of your mattress I was like yeah and he was like but mommy you made Jedi in that mattress you made Jedi in that bed, you and daddy. And it was like, I had to fix my face because <laughs> my initial reaction was like, what, what do I say? What, I, what do I say about this? Right. But I was like, no, I, I've opened up that dialogue with him where he can come to me and say things like that. And he's like, yeah, but you guys made Jedi in that mattress. And, you know, so those little things, like we have conversations where it's open dialogue. And I think I totally pulled that from my parents, at least from my mom. And, but there are certain things, I think, the freedom. There is freedom, I think. My parents are a bit, they could be a bit hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh. As a parent now, I can even say, okay, I think they totally overreacted. Right. Like, you know, and I think that's one thing that we are doing a lot, a pretty different. We allow our children to make mistakes because I know the world also sometimes doesn't allow them to do that. Right. You know, so we allow them to make mistakes and figure it out. And we try to employ critical thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. like a lot of times we'll say, hey, you figure it out. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? What are your thoughts on that? We ask questions a lot for them to answer themselves. Those are things I think that we do a lot different than what our parents did for sure. Yeah.
Would you buy a t-shirt for 50 bucks if you knew it only cost seven to make? I wouldn't. With Everlane, you never overpay for quality clothes. They want you to know what you're paying for and why. So they tell you their real costs and are radically transparent about every step in their process, from the materials they use to the ethical factories they work with. That is what keeps me coming back to this brand. Essentials like their Cotton Crew t-shirt are exactly what they should be. Versatile, simple, stylish, and made from quality materials. I I own so many of them. I've lost count. I have new ones. I have old ones. And they all give me what I need. Quality, endurance, comfortability. It's truly amazing. Right now in rotation, I have a few pair of Everlane's denim. Of course, my t-shirts from them and my sweatshirts. I can't live without any of them. And I am so happy that Everlane makes quality goods that I can continue to go back to. Right now, you can check out our personalized collection at everlane.com slash heygirl. Plus, you'll get free shipping on your first order. That's everlane.com slash heygirl. Again, that's everlane.com slash heygirl. Do you love discovering new products? Are you a beauty and fashion maven constantly on the hunt for the next best thing? Ever read about or spot something online that you've always wanted to try but never have? Then you might love FabFitFun. It allows women everywhere to discover new products as well as including rave review and must-have brands that you know and love. It's like Christmas four times a year. Stumped on gift ideas? FabFitFun is also a great gift for someone you love. You can surprise your mom or sister with this awesome summer box packed with great items. Do you have a daughter who's going to college, maybe, or a friend who's a new mom? FabFitFun is an awesome care package. My last box came with this beautiful lotus towel. It was blue, and it's shaped like the flower, and it has a gorgeous design in the middle. That's something we've been laying out on the deck and relaxing on for a few weeks now. So what I love about FabFitFun is that they offer full-size products, no samples of anything. Every box is guaranteed to have over $200-plus in retail value. The summer 2019 box has a total retail value between $269 to $467. That's fantastic. Treat yourself with items in it, such as the Sutra Professional Mini Travel Blow Dryer, the beautiful Vicks Paula Lotus Towel, or the West Elm Indigo tie-dye bowls. Many of the products' individual value is more than the entire cost of the box. You can customize your box by choosing some products and some add-ons with each one. Or you can be surprised. It's great for discovering new brands and new products. What a better way to shop. I'm looking forward to my next box because they're always so different and packed with things I can actually use. I like to share the items in my box with my 11-year-old. She's really into skincare these days. We recently got a clay mask and a foot mask and a body scrub. She loves them all. The FabFitFun 2019 Summer Box is on sale now. So sign up for FabFitFun today. These boxes always sell out. You can use my code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first box. All you have to do is go to FabFitFun to sign up and get started. Use promo code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first box. That's over $200 for only $39.99. Go to FabFitFun.com and use my code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. Do you ever feel scared about raising black boys? Absolutely. Let's talk about that. 
what feelings come up for you? How they're interpreted. And I shouldn't care. I really shouldn't. And I'm actually, I'm having to go through a renewal of my own mind with that. If I'm trying to teach them to be free, I have to be free as well. And I have to teach by example. So I can't say, hey, you know, be free. But then the next <laughs> the next conversation is about, you can't do that if X, Y, and Z. It's, it is scary. I think in this day and age, in this time, this administration, and not even just this administration, because I think it was just as bad when Obama was in office. I think it was actually even worse, probably, mm -hmm. because people were so pissed about having a Black president. It is scary. It's so scary, because we have to prepare them for how people may see their greatness and how people may interpret their freedom. So it's scary. Absolutely. When it comes to you being a doula now, postpartum yeah. doula. What advice do you give to your moms that you're working with, specifically first-time moms who have who feel like they have no idea what they're doing? How do you support them being a mom of two because you have all this experience, you have a lot of experience in motherhood and yeah. you've grown tremendously as a woman and a mother over the years with your two boys. What advice do you give new moms about gentleness, about conscious parenting, about resilience? How do you ease their minds in a time that's so, you know, it can be really difficult to yeah. ease your mind, you know, it's so chaotic. How do you help them with that? I always ask questions. So say, for example, I might get a call and I've gotten calls in the middle of the night you know, I'm tired and I don't know what I'm going to do and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I just, am, is this normal? And my first question is, how are you sleeping? Did you eat today? <laughs> when was the last time you ate? Are you drinking water? Because those little things sound like so like, duh, but they're not. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we'll be such in like baby mode that we forget that we haven't even like taken a shower and a shower in and of itself can make a new mom feel like a million bucks. Mm -hmm. Like when you're in the trenches of it and you haven't showered in days and all you've been doing is breastfeeding, you can begin to feel like you are losing your mind. And then you begin to think, oh my gosh, is this like, is something wrong? Am I, you know, and it's like, you just haven't taken a shower. And so those are my, those are my questions. Usually I'm like, hey, someone's last time you took a shower. When's the last time you actually went, just maybe took five minutes away from the baby? You know, a, a, a wise woman who's also a doula and a lactation consultant, she's, she said, she always encourages moms to go out for 15 minutes by themselves. Just go walk around the neighborhood, 15 minutes by yourself without the baby. And it sounds like such a short amount of time, but she's seen where moms feel like, oh my gosh, I can do this. I can do this. And it's just 15 minutes. I remember when I had Jedi, he was about three months old and I totally felt like I was losing my mind. I was like, what is going on? Is something wrong? What's happening? And I remember my friend who has three kids, she was like, Brandy, I need you to go to a friend's house and go take a nap. And she was like, let Jedi stay with John. 
and just go over to your friend's house and tell her, listen, we're not talking. I just need to come over there and take a nap. Mm -hmm. That's all I need to do is mm -hmm. take a nap and take a bath without a baby on my boob. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Okay. And she's like, or you can just go out for a night with a friend. And it was so funny, literally days later, it was almost as if God like heard what I needed. But a friend of mine said, hey, I'm going to an event. You want to come? And I was like, okay. And she actually had like a, uh, her stylist like dressed me and, and, and all that. And I felt like a new person. I took a shower, had on a nice dress and I was three months postpartum mm -hmm. and I went out and I had to pump in the car because my boobs were like really still like in the trenches of it. And when I got home, my husband looked at me, he was like, oh my gosh, like, I, I see somewhat of my wife in there. Like, <laughs> he's, she's not all the way back, but she's somewhere in there as opposed to like the person that left the house hours before. And I think that's something that I always like encourage, like really connecting with yourself, whatever that is, like whether it's through yoga, whether it's going to take a 15 minute walk, whether it's just going to get coffee with a friend for like an hour, something that you can do for yourself because it's, it's such a vulnerable time. That postpartum period is so real. Like it's, everything's raw and it's right on the surface. And mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. a lot of spiritual stuff that happens during that time too. And I think that a lot of moms don't realize that. And so just connecting with yourself is so needed. So, yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show today. We Really, I've really enjoyed, you know, chatting with you. And before we wrap up, can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Absolutely. You can always find me on Instagram. I'm, I'm there. So just be stereo. But then also uh, always check out the site, which is just not so private parts dot life. And we always have women sharing their stories sharing their journey, whether it's through motherhood, whether it's just being a woman, just navigating through this skin that we exist in. And so I'm always on those two particular platforms. Okay. Thank you so much, Brandy. Of course. Thank you. Hey Girl is a member of the District Productive Network, produced by Jamie Benson and me, Alex L., Music provided by DC's own Kokai. Kokai.